Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details. You are Locked On Magic, your daily podcast on the Orlando Magic. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And you are indeed Locked On Magic today. It's November 22nd, 2016. My name is Philip Rossmanreich. I'm the site expert and editor over at OrlandoMagicDaily.com. And on today's episode, I'll have a complete recap of the Orlando Magic's loss to the Milwaukee Bucks, a disappointing 93-89 loss, but still some things to glean from it, including my big takeaway from the game, and that is, uh, I'm going to go positive on this one, the Orlando Magic's defense is legit. I don't. I think we can begin to safely pencil in that this defense can do some things and do some real damage and is starting to look really, really good as they did a very good job on a, uh, not not a great offense, but at least a, a real team that wasn't missing uh, half their players like, like they had for the last week. So a very encouraging sign and I think a good thing moving forward for the Magic. Uh, they'll, of course, see the Bucks again on Sunday. So we'll talk a little bit about that. And then since everyone else is talking about it, we've talked about it significantly on the, on the website on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. I will give you some comments on the rotation and the decision to play veterans over some of the younger guys, as well as what that means for the Orlando Magic moving forward. A lot to digest there, a lot to take in. Of course, there's some great work on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. Zach Palmer wrote a couple of really good articles on the lineup, on the rotations, on the veterans, and and then I wrote one as well, kind of with a counterbalance to what what he wrote. I'm a little, little more on board with it than he is to say the least. But before we get going today, I do want to say a quick word from our pals at SeatGeek. The NBA season is back and SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to find tickets for the games you want to see up close and in person this season. There's nothing like being at the game for the biggest plays of the year. And with SeatGeek, it's never been easier to get the seats you want for a great value. SeatGeek has the best deals on every ticket in the house, wherever you want to sit, whether that's courtside, the club seats, or the upper level up in the Ozone. I have the SeatGeek app on my phone, and it's by far the easiest way I've found to shop for tickets. I can be anywhere, and with just a few taps, click, 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 I can instantly find seats for this weekend or any game this season. With SeatGeek, you always get the best deal on every ticket because SeatGeek price compares for you by searching multiple ticket sites. Prices can vary depending on where you shop, but SeatGeek will always find you the lowest available price, and SeatGeek wants to help you get the most bang for your buck. That's why every ticket on SeatGeek is given a grade based on value. You'll immediately see any underpriced seats and be able to find the best deals that fit your budget. Plus, every ticket you buy on SeatGeek is backed by their 100% guarantee. I know everyone has family in for Thanksgiving in Orlando this weekend. What a better way to spend time with your family than to go see an Orlando Magic game. The Magic are home to take on the Phoenix Suns at Devin Booker. Dragon Bender is, there, is Dragon Bender even playing? I haven't really watched the Suns that much yet. I'll, I'll get I'll get a look at their game against the Washington Wizards on uh, uh on on Wednesday on Tuesday. Uh, but the Suns are in town Wednesday. That's a good good little appetizer for Thanksgiving. Want some dessert? The Washington Wizards. John Wall comes to town on fr- on Friday night, day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday. Magic will not be wearing their Stars jerseys that day, but you know maybe they'll wear maybe they'll wear the black jerseys. That that would be that'd be fun. 
And of course, Sunday, the Milwaukee Bucks are back in town. You get to see Giannis Antetokounmpo for for uh, uh, some leftovers, if you will. Lots of games this weekend at the Amway Center and lots of opportunities to get into the building using SeatGeek, the best seats in the house. And best of all, my listeners get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. So a little, little money saved there for you uh, this Thanksgiving weekend. Here's what you have to do to get your $20 rebate on tickets. Download the SeatGeek app. Go to the settings tab and click add a promo code. Enter promo code LOMAGIC. That's L-O-MAGIC. And SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Download the SeatGeek app and enter promo code LOMAGIC today. All right, let's talk about the Orlando Magic's game against the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, a somewhat disappointing loss. I mean, obviously, uh, the Bucks are a good team. The Magic and Bucks are really kind of even, and I think this game really bore that out in the way in the kind of wild and crazy runs that we saw in the second half. Uh, really, just a ba- good back and forth affair for a low scoring game, a fairly entertaining game as well. Uh, it, it was played kind of at the Magic's pace, at the Magic's style, but Milwaukee found ways to squeeze things in. And like I said. In, uh, in the preview show yesterday, Milwaukee likes to get out in transition. And the Magic gave them every opportunity to do so, and it allowed the Bucks to win the game. Milwaukee had 27 fast break points, coming off of 24 Orlando turnovers. 19 turnovers in the first half alone for the Magic. That helped Milwaukee erase an early 14-point lead. The Magic came out like gangbusters. Alfred Payton attacking the basket, dishing out passes doing a lot of really, really good things, looking like the Alfred Payton that the Magic need to be, you know, to be Alfred Payton, essentially. Uh, He did everything that the Magic need him to do to be successful uh, in this league early on in the game and really throughout the game until the very end. Fast forward to the end of the game, the Magic have fought their way back into it. They were down by by nine at one point late in the fourth quarter. They fight their way back into it, get it down to three points. Miss, Miss an open three from Serge Ibaka. You can live with that. That's an open. That's a, that's a good shot for him. Get a stop. That's what the Magic did all night long. I'll talk about the defense in just a moment. Get a stop. Alfred Payton comes down the floor, takes a an early contested three in the shot clock. About thirty seconds remaining. Not a good thing for the Magic, but they're still down three. Still plenty of time to go. They get. It looks like they're about to get a stop, get a shot clock violation when Serge Ibaka is called for a foul on a Jabari Parker three. Jabari Parker makes only one of the three free throws because the ball don't lie, but a four-point lead is enough. The Magic are unable to crack crack into the deficit any further, and they fall to the Milwaukee Bucks 93-89 to over at the BMO Harris Bradley Center. Magic played some really good basketball in the first half, though. Uh, I do have to say, for the most part, for the in the first half, they shot better than 50%. Uh, through for much of the first half, they were able to get their offense flowing. They they took control of the game. Um, at, at one point uh, during the Magic broadcast, uh, Dante Marcatelli of Fox Sports Florida reported that in a first quarter timeout, Frank Vogel said, "We need to step on their throat." Well, the Magic didn't quite do that. They gave up half of their 14 point lead uh, heading into the second quarter, but still in good shape. A still very strong quarter, and that's when the turnovers began to take over. Like I said, 19 turnovers in the first half alone. Every player on the Magic had at least one turnover except for C.J. Watson. C.J. Watson was okay, didn't play a great game, but 9.55, so, you know, I don't know how much you want to put stock into that. Evan Fournier had five turnovers. Alfred Payton only one, so Alfred Alfred did a good job protecting the ball. But Jeff Green, three. Serge Ibaka, three. Nikola Vucevic, three. Magic were just throwing the ball around, and that got Milwaukee out in transition. That got them going 
up and down the floor where they are at their best offensively. Giannis Antetokounmpo finishes with a triple-double of 21 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, 6 for 13 shooting, missed both of his three-pointers, but got to the line from nine free-throw attempts. Jabari Parker adds 22 points on 8 for 17 shooting, made a couple of big, made a couple of contested threes, threes that the Magic wanted to allow because Parker entered the game shooting uh, 30% from, from beyond the arc, so certainly a shots that the Magic had decided to live with, but he made them tonight. Uh, and that kept the game close throughout the the second half. I mean, this this these are again. The, it's no coincidence that the Magic and the Bucks have split their season series for the, for each of the last two or three seasons. These teams are really really close still. Um, this is a good measuring stick, honestly, because the Bucks are a team that's going to be fighting for a playoff spot, much like the Magic are. And maybe that adds a little more importance to this game. Maybe it doesn't. I still think it's a little early to be to be counting things and looking at the standings. I mean, you know, I did look at the standings a little bit today, but um, the Magic are right there, right where they need to be. Six and eight isn't isn't killer. Uh, but what really was the killer in this game was that execution. You, you can't win a game when you're turning the ball over 24 times. Doesn't matter how well you shoot, and and the Magic were shooting really well. Uh, but that number came down in the second half as as things began to bog down. Thirty two for seventy seven, forty one point six percent shooting for the Magic in this game. That it, it was just a really not a bad effort, um, but very sloppy execution. There was a lot of fumbled passes, um, a lot of the ball getting stuck in certain places. Certain places. Um, the first half, the first quarter, especially, was exactly how the Magic wanted to play. And when they're good, they're they. they I mean, and they're beginning to show more flashes of that kind of play. Um, but it hasn't become kind of permanent yet. It hasn't become uh, quite the habit that the Magic need it to be uh, to to get where they want to go at the end of the day. So the Magic are still figuring a lot of the stuff out. They're still kind of getting themselves uh, into uh, into the right uh, right place, so to speak, uh, to to be successful uh, as a team in these kinds of games. Uh, but at the end of the day, the Magic had an opportunity to win this. At the end, they just needed execution and. Like it had for most of the game, the Magic just couldn't rely on their execution. They could rely on their defense to keep the game close, and that's something I'll talk about in just just a moment. Um, they could rely on their defense to keep the game close, but they couldn't rely on their offense to get them a good shot and make sure that they had a chance to win. That should be the lesson from this game for the Orlando Magic as they as they continue to work on things. Is that their defense can can get them to the finish line, but the offense has to cross it. And yes, defense wins championships, but offense wins games. Um, and, and while I think, and I, again, I'll talk about this in just a moment, I think the defense has really come around and really begun to look very, very, very good for this Magic team. Uh, the offense still has a long way to go and still has to make its presence felt in, in a lot of ways. And that means Nikola Vucevic making shots. It means Evan Fournier becoming a little more efficient. It means Aaron Gordon making some shots, uh, honestly. Uh, it, it just it was just too much of a struggle for this team to uh, to. Get, put the ball in the basket um, at times, and, and they still go through those long droughts where they can't score, and it permeates throughout the roster offensively, but fortunately the defense has picked itself up a little bit more during those droughts and at least minimize the damage until the Magic can figure some things out. Running through the stats real fast, Serge Ibaka, 21 points, 8 rebounds, 6 for 11 shooting, uh, had three block shots, A really, I, I thought a really good defensive effort on Jabari Parker, um, helped out with Giannis Antetokounmpo too. Uh, I'll talk a little bit more about the defense in just a moment, like I've been saying all podcast. Evan Fournier, 18.6 for 13, shooting 2 for 5 from beyond the arc, 5 rebounds, but also 5 turnovers, a big blemish on his record, and Alfred Payton had 
uh, eight points, nine rebounds, seven assists, played a very, very strong game. This one ill-advised shot, uh, Frank Vogel, I think, said after the game, Alfred Payton had a very, very, had a very good game, took a really bad shot. He's been told. So I don't think we'll be seeing any more Alfred Payton pull-ups with a minute to play down three anytime soon. But again, he's being confident with the shot. I, I do like that he's taking that. Bismack Biombo, the other player of note, 13 points, 10 rebounds on the game, uh, just doing biz things. Uh, I, I don't think uh, I need to comment any further on that. So, like I said, the big takeaway from this game is that the defense can get the magic to the finish line, but the offense has to cross it. And I think that's a really kind of profound statement to make at this point. I do think that that has some meaning for this team because, after all, Frank Vogel came in saying, we're going to build a defensive juggernaut. And and Rob Hennigan, throughout this four-year rebuild, has said, we want to be a defensive team. We want to... That we want that to be our identity, and, and a lot of the summer was spent kind of forcing that identity down because the Magic have not been a good defense. I think the highest that they rated was 17th last season under Scott Skiles. It was just very slow, incremental growth. And the beginning of the season wasn't very good defensively. Until about, la- until about two weeks ago, the Magic were ranked 29th in the league in defensive rating. And stats are beginning to settle. We're beginning to kind of figure out who's for real and who's not. And and I think the Magic are still figuring themselves out yet, so we're not ready to put them in any categories quite yet. But it was not good to see them that low. And it was very discouraging, especially considering the talent they had. Well, within the last week, things have changed dramatically. The Magic have shot up to 13th in the league in defensive rating following Monday's game. And once again, the Magic had a strong defensive effort. You give up 93 points in a game, you're going to win that game more often than not. And and maybe that's becoming a little cliche because the Magic have already lost a game where they gave up 88. Um, They've had to gut out games where they've given up less than 90. But the reality is you give yourself a chance to win more, more times than not when you hold a team to that low amount. Milwaukee shot 40.7% from the floor. 8 of 29 from 3. They had a, a def- an offensive rating of, let me pull it up real fast, make sure I get this number right. They had an offensive rating of 91 points per 100 possessions. I know a lot. some people are not in, super into numbers, but that is a very strong number. And really the only time that the Bucks' offense was working at a really high efficient capacity was in the second quarter when they were just running off of turnovers like crazy and they got back into the game. That's when they really began. That's really the only time that their offense worked, and you can see that in in kind of the defensive rating numbers for the individual players. But as a team, a 91.0 defensive rating, that gets the job done. And the criticism criticism that I heard uh, when it came to the Magic last week or in the last week was, oh, you know, they're, they're giving up 90 points to the Utah Jazz without George Hill. Missing, missing a key player. Gordon Hayward's still not healthy. They, they, they gave up, you know, 88 points to the Indiana Pacers with Paul George on one leg, and they lost that game by 19 anyway. Oh, they beat the, they, they gave up less than 90 to the Pelicans without Anthony Davis. Oh, they gave up less than 90 to the Mavericks without Dirk Nowitzki or any point guard with NBA experience. And those are all fair criticisms. Magic took advantage of some very weak scheduling and and put up good numbers and, and gained some confidence. That was not the case Monday night. That was not the case against the Milwaukee Bucks. Against the Milwaukee Bucks, they played a team that was 
you know, still figuring itself out, obviously, but fully operational. And the Magic employed a strategy that worked really, really well. And so it wasn't just that they were playing a base defensive set and committing to that. They threw wrinkles in and executed them very, very well. Again, 91, yes, the Bucks won 93 to 89. They did some things and executed late in the game to win to win it. But overall, 91.0 defensive rating gets the job done. And here's what they did. Alfred Payton was just all over Matthew Delavadova. Made him a non-factor for most of the game. Delavadova did hit a, hit a big three late, um, but the Magic essentially bet that Milwaukee wasn't going to be able to make threes, and, and they struggled throughout the game. They had Ibaka kind of hanging back on Jabari Parker, close enough to close out, but not close enough to, to for him to get to get to hit, for him to get blown by. And when Delavadova drove into the paint, Ibaka sunk in and defend and was a was a roadblock. They were able to corral and move offensive players sort of into traps, sort of into the teeth of the defense where they were just surrounded and they had nowhere to go. And by the time the ball kicked out, they were back to their man on the three-point line. It was a suffocating brand of defense. Jeff Green did much the same thing with Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hung off him, baited him to shoot the ball, didn't let him drive by him. Didn't And, and a lot of Antetokounmpo's assists came, I think, in transition. That's where a lot of his points came from as well. Uh, that was certainly by design. So, the Magic then seemed to have really established a defensive identity. As I wrote over the weekend, slowly but surely, this Magic's defense has become habit. Since that game against Utah Jazz, and we used that game against Utah Jazz as a, a, a kind of Big turning point because that's when that's when the lineup change happened. But it's also when the Magic's defense really picked up. And since that day, November eleventh, two thousand sixteen, the Magic have the top defensive rating in the league. That's the kind of defense the Magic want to play. Granted, the wins haven't quite come. They're they're three and three now in those games. And that's because the offense is still a struggle. And, and like I said, the defense is going to carry them to the finish line, but the offense has got to finish these games. And that's what that's what they failed to do Monday. The, the, uh, the offense didn't finish games. But overall, I hope everyone can see that the team is better defensively. Significantly better defensively. And... Well, I don't think we're quite at a point to make huge conclusions because certainly the competition hasn't been steady. The fact that this kind of defensive confidence carried over into Monday's game against the Milwaukee Bucks tells suggests to me that this defense is for real. That this team is committed to playing a strong defensive style. And maybe the next big test for this defense... It's not going to come Wednesday against Phoenix, although I think Devin Booker will stress them a little bit. It's not going to come Friday against Washington, although John Wall will stress them a little bit if he pl- if he plays that game, which I don't see why he wouldn't because it's not on a back-to-back this time. It's not going to come Sunday against Milwaukee either when, when they face this team again. That test will be more about how Orlando handles Milwaukee's length. The real test is going to come on that road trip, the big December road trip 
that I point to every year as the as the time when we figure out who this Orlando Magic team is. And the first game of that road trip is against the San Antonio Spurs. And I think that's when we really begin to figure out if this defense is for real. The way the Magic have played the last week, the way they played Monday night, leads me to believe that this defense is for real. They may have a bad night or two where the offense just doesn't give them any support and, and they and they kind of crack. But overall, I think the Magic have found their defensive identity and found a bit of a defensive rhythm right now. And they're rolling. And especially with the way the schedule sets up right now, it continues, it should continue to help them build confidence. If this is a if this is a playoff team, the Magic will win two of their next three games heading into the road trip. You got three home games, all eminently winnable. Phoenix is at the bottom of the standings in the West. Washington's at the bottom of the standings in the East. And Milwaukee is one of your chief competitors. Those are all big tests to build confidence heading into this big road trip that's coming up in December. And I'll probably preview the road trip um, next Monday. I would pencil that and we'll preview the road trip a little bit then. Uh, But... Obviously, the Magic have their work cut out for them, and they put in a lot of hard work on the defensive end, and it sure looks like it's beginning to pay off with a tangible, cogent identity. But of course, an identity is only as good as the rotation that you're using, and one of the big one of the big conversation pieces with the Magic so far has been the lineup change, this this dividing line in in the season. And much like last year when the lineup change was kind of a dividing line, it's become a dividing line once again. When the Magic moved Jeff Green into the starting lineup to replace replace Aaron Gordon, it's become divisive. And and C.J. Watson as well, as well as Damian Rudez, uh, into the second unit over Mario Hazonia. We had a couple of articles written on this, um, taking two... Distinct views. Um, Zach Palmer uh, of uh, on OrlandoMagicDaily.com wrote, you know, wrote about how the Magic have turned to their veterans, and certainly there are reasons for that, um, which I'll get into in a bit. But um, they've turned to their veterans, and the veterans aren't quite producing. Jeff Green's field goal percentage was below thirty percent since moving into the starting lineup. C.J. Watson has struggled from the field as well, although he's played very, very good defense and. Essentially, the Magic have sacrificed Mario Azonia's development and Mario Azonia's entire playing time to play these veterans. And while Hazonia wasn't delivering statistically, neither are some of these veterans, at least statistically. And certainly, I can sense Magic fan frustration over it too because Hazonia is not going to get better if he's not playing in games. And, and I do subscribe to that as well. And there, there are points in Monday's game where I was like, just throw Hazonia in there for three or four minutes just to, just to get a spark. You need some offense. The defense is, I mean, especially, honestly, and this is my opinion now, uh, separate of, of anything we've talked about here, I think once the defense gets settled, we'll see Hazonia slowly inch, inch back into the rotation. I think Vogel wanted to establish the defense first as a backstop, uh, as, a, uh, as something that can prevent, so to speak, uh, prevent the kind of mistakes that Hazonia tends to make, frankly, because um, he struggled on the defensive end mightily. So, 
if the veterans aren't performing, what's the point of leaving Mario out? Well, I have a theory on this as well, and I and I wrote about this as kind of a counterpoint to, to what Zach wrote. I, I suggest you read both. Uh, Zach's, Zach's post is called on OrlandoMagicDaily.com. I'll link to it on the Facebook page, so be sure to link like us on Facebook as well as uh, tweet it out on Locked On Magic. So follow us at, at Locked On Magic as well as like us on Facebook, Locked On Magic as well. Uh, Zach's article, Veteran Presence, Businesses moving, Booming for Orlando Magic, But Why? Essentially, he's, essentially he argues that the veterans aren't performing, and so there's no reason to keep the young players out of the lineup. And while I agree the veterans aren't performing, and, and certainly the lineup deserves a second look and continued evaluation, and uh, I do think that that is something that's very real about this team and something that they have to uh, continue to do on a continual basis. Um, and if I continue to say continue, I'll probably bore you. Uh, but I kind of think that it's not so much important what their statistics are, if that makes sense. Jeff Green should see his statistics fall when he enters the starting lineup because his task with the starting lineup is not the same as it was coming off the bench. Coming off the bench, the Magic asked him to be a sixth man, essentially, to be a creator, to drive and and be aggressive. But the starting unit, that's not quite his role. Like I, like I talked about yesterday with Jeff Green, his role is essentially to stay out of the way. And if you want to listen for more thoughts on Jeff Green, I'll, I'll cut, the, cut that off uh, here because uh, I spoke at length about him on yesterday's episode of Lockdown Magic, so be sure to check that out. But essentially, the Magic were asking Jeff Green to stay out of the way, to be a low-usage player. And by bringing Aaron Gordon to the bench, you, you know, some, maybe somewhat stubbornly, but you're playing him at the three allowing him to to be that creator role that Jeff Green was, and increasing his usage. There's more opportunity for Aaron Gordon. So I think actually for Aaron Gordon's development, it's much better for Jeff Green. For, it's much better for Jeff Green to be starting over him. And that Gordon benefits from coming off the bench because he has that freedom and has more opportunity to create for himself and do the things the Magic are kind of trying to train him to do as a small forward. His field goal attempts per 36 minutes are up. Um, pretty much pretty significantly, actually, coming off the bench rather than starting. His minutes are a little more inconsistent, yes. But at the same time, I think he is gaining some valuable experience and getting some good practice with that unit as well. I do suspect Aaron Gordon will be back in the starting lineup at some point, but there's just there's only so much basketball to go around. But again, I do agree with Zach in that the production... And you can read my article. Um, it's called New Orlando Magic Lineup Proving Its Stability. And, and that's what I really believe is that the lineup has kind of stabilized things and put players in roles that are a little more successful for them by having Green step to the back, having Watson step to the back, not be as involved in the offense, and just kind of do the right things. Like Sometimes doing the right thing is staying out of the way, being in the right spot to space the floor and all that. But I do agree with, with Zach on this. Watson has been good defensively, but has struggled to produce offensively. And offense is the bigger problem right now. Jeff Green's the same way. He's hasn't quite produced offensively yet. And so I do wonder if there's another lineup change there that can that can optimize the lineups just a little bit more. 
I yeah, I think everyone's floated the idea of Hazonia starting as a way to kind of kickstart him a little bit. I don't think that's the right idea. But I do kind of think Jody Meeks might be that guy. If you start him at the three when he when he's healthy and ready, you start him at the three, you've got your shooter. And he can just kind of stand on the perimeter and shoot. He doesn't have to do much else. It's it the Magic are in such a pickle. They've got to continue developing these young players and make sure that they're getting better. But at the same time, they've got to win right now. They don't have much of a choice on that. They've got to win. There's so much pressure riding on this season to make the playoffs, and they've got to win. And like Vogel said, when you know things are struggling, you turn to your veterans because they're steady, they're consistent. They may not, you know, like, Aaron Gordon could have a 25-point game one night and then a two-point game the next. Jeff Green, you know, you're pretty much going to get 11 points per game out of. And I think that stability is something that that Vogel wanted at this point in the season. I think the intention is to to change the lineups again at some point. When when the next time things go south, I suspect we'll see see some tinkering again. But right now he needed to establish his base. He needed to establish the program that he wants to run and make sure guys are running it correctly so then he can tinker a little bit and not lose everything that they built successfully in the season. And it took a while. It took probably longer than everyone wanted it to. But it's gelling now, and and I think we won't see a lineup change yet. Uh, I don't even know if there's a proper lineup change to make. It might mean... It might be as clear a sign as any that this team needs to make a deal when the when the trade market opens up in December. So it's still certainly up for debate. I I, I don't I, I think there are many valid arguments about who should be starting, about who should be in the rotation, who shouldn't be in the rotation. I think there's valid arguments on all sides, and obviously uh, the decision remains with only one man, and that's the head coach of the Orlando Magic, Frank Vogel. Uh, so we'll. Again, we'll see how it all play. We'll see how it continues to play out. Obviously, uh, you know, just one loss of the Milwaukee Bucks. The sky is not falling here. The Magic are six and eight. They're still everything is still in front of them. I've seen some people begin to get Markel Fertz. Uh, uh, I hope I pronounced that name right. Uh, get 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 big in the eyes with the with the lottery picks now. That the college basketball season started. It's still a long season, folks. The Magic are still in this thing, and and I think all their goals are obviously still in front of them. Well, that's going to do it for today's episode of Locked On Magic. I hope you enjoyed it. We'll be back again tomorrow with a preview of the Orlando Magic's game against the Phoenix Suns. I'll take a look at their game against the Washington Wizards and share my thoughts on the Suns and how they're doing so far this season. We'll also uh, talk a little bit about, let's see what I have planned, uh, that this may change, of course, uh, but it looks like uh, I'm planning that to talk a little bit about uh, some bright spots for the team so far, as well as Mario Hazonia um, continuing this conversation about the Magic's uh, season to date and and some of the rotation changes that have been made. I want to thank everyone again for listening to the podcast. Uh, You can always follow us on Twitter at LockedOnMagic. Be sure to like us on Facebook at LockedOnMagic as well. I'll be posting links to the articles that we discuss uh, on the the podcast on those channels, so be sure to check those out. I, I do certainly appreciate um, all the love and and certainly all the all the listens as well. Be sure also to go back and listen to the Orlando Magic Daily Podcast episode 60 that ran on Friday. Chatted with Keith Smith of Real GM and FanRag Sports. Uh, 
about the early Magic season, about these rotation changes, about what the future holds for the Magic financially, as well as heading into the trade market that opens up in less than a month. December 15th is when free agents who are signed over the summer can be traded for the first time. That's going to do it for me. For Orlando Magic Daily and Locked on Magic, this has been Philip Rossman-Reich. We will see you all next time. You are Locked on Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast. Part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. Ace is the place with the helpful hardware, folks. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.